All right, guys. Yes. Sermon stuff. I'm on my tiptoes. Yeah, so it went weird this morning because, you know, we have morning service and, I, and I've given this sermon already. Um, it was weird. I thought it was one of the worst sermons I ever did, but, it, but everybody else said it was really good. <laughs> so I'm all like, what, what the what? What was that? Um, I'm a little scrambled because of that. I, I think at the very least it says I have bad taste in sermons. Um, yeah, getting ready. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think it was. I was. I wasn't sure it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be good this morning because I had. I've, I have two sermons right here. It was so weird. Uh, Adam knows about this. Sometimes the when you're getting ready for a sermon, they kind of split into multiple sermons. I got two solid sermons out of this. There's two outlines right there. And I, I'm like, okay, God, what are you doing here? Okay, all right, yeah. And then you start writing. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, oh, this is totally what God's about. And then you write, and you write, and whoa, you jump into the other outline all of a sudden. You're like, oh, crap, that's the other sermon. And then you get excited, that must be what Jesus is doing right now. So I get into that one, and then it just kept going back and forth. I kind of thought I was going to settle, but I didn't. Um, but, yeah, I'm only going to give one of them. Don't worry. Uh, you don't get two sermons. Yeah, that'd just be too much. Um, I will tell you, though, the other one's fun. God's interesting. I tell you what. Um, we're in Samuel, uh, in case you didn't know. We're studying the life of Samuel, which is, uh, which is basically, there's two books called Samuel in the Bible. The first one's about him. The other one... Not so much, which is weird, but uh, I don't know. He still gets the title for the second book. The sequel is still named after him. Um, But yeah, this is kind of the end. He's pretty old by now, this guy, Samuel. Um, And last week, Adam's sermon was uh, kind of the end of the first king of Israel, Saul. Well, he's kind of a screw-up. Um, he basically puts the last nail in his coffin last week and says, yeah, God says, no, this guy can't, I'm, I'm done with this guy. I've got another guy in the wings. I've been preparing him. This guy is going to be awesome. And we kind of get to, we get introduced to him tonight or he, he gets introduced to us more like he, he's looking down from heaven or something, but, uh, that's a whole nother sermon. It's David, King David, total man crush of the Bible. I love that guy. I I want this sermon to be about David, but it's not. Um, this guy, David was just so cool. He's so punk rock and just so gnarly all the time. He's just like fifth gear, running into stuff, going crazy, but it's all for God. And God's like, this is hilarious, but I love it. This guy's sweet. And God's been preparing David for himself. Um, I'll tell you, the subject of, of the sermon I'm not giving was God self-sabotaging himself. Me and Fran had words about what self-sabotage means. But I totally think God self-sabotages all over the place. I think he self-sabotages with the Old Testament. I think he self-sabotages with not revealing, not you know, covering up Christ's resurrection. There's Caesar. Hey, what's up, guys? 
Um, God is weird. God does interesting things. But we don't get to talk about that tonight. <laughs> you can have that discussion at, at potluck later. Is God self-sabotage? Anyways, for some background and some fodder for that conversation, when he's talking about Saul, when he initiates Saul as king, he says, Ugh, all right, give the people a king. I act. I acquiesce, fine, give them a king. A few chapters later, he goes, well, I'm preparing myself a king. I'm preparing somebody that I have chosen. So basically, he lets the humans, he lets the peons do what they want at first. And <laughs> like, see, that sucked, huh? <laughs> Now try what I want to do. I've got this guy. So it's not technically self-sabotage, but it's still, <laughs> it's interesting. Now, uh, we're about to re- read the passage. Um, but, but yeah, like I, I told you just what, what happened. Um, Saul had screwed up the last nail in the coffin. He's done. And another kind of asterisk with the book of Samuel. I think we've mentioned this, but just to mention it again. Chronology is kind of weird in this book. It's more of like, it's more like Samuel's greatest hits, not in not necessarily the order they happened. Um, <laughs> because I mean, if it, we're not going to get to all this, but the passage right after mine, Saul uh, gets David to be uh, his minstrel, kind of his his private rock star, and then the chapter after it. Saul meets David for the first time. See how that's dumb? <laughs> so yeah, chronology you kind of throw out the window. Um, although, I mean, there's stabs. There's, there's, there's possibilities to how things worked out. Definitely the thing that happened before this was Saul, was God pronouncing Saul, done. I'm done with this guy. So. Anyways, let's get to 1 Samuel, verse 1. This is the first 13 verses of, the, of chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I rejected him as king of over, over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. Uh, you're to anoint for, for me the one I indicate. Uh, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Now, okay, just some, some side commentary right away. You come in peace? Like, Samuel's like freaking out, or freaking people out. He's an old guy, like 80s at least. And people are like, oh, gosh, this guy's coming. And it's, <laughs> this is kind of weird. I read some commentaries. I was like, well, yeah, because he's got some stature. He knows how to get stuff done. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if you remember Saul, when Saul first met Samuel, Saul had no idea who he was. I don't know how Saul missed that. The religious and political leader of the entire nation, that was Samuel. Saul didn't know about him. <laughs> but everybody else did. 
evidently. And they're like, oh, my gosh, here he comes. Wow, he's coming to Bethlehem. Lucky us. Well, not lucky us. They were afraid. They were trembling. The other thing, that, the, and this wasn't in the commentaries, but last week, <laughs> 80, 85-year-old Samuel totally hacked up King Agog right in front of him. I mean, the... <laughs> The, the king who, who Saul was supposed to kill, he was still alive. Saul was like, well, he's not a bad guy. But I know God told me to kill him, but he didn't do it. <laughs> and so Samuel is like, whack, 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 just destroys him. What was the word used? Isn't it like gnarly? Isn't it like, like the word used that, that, that it was like Samuel like come, utterly destroyed Agog? Yeah, it was like, it wasn't just kind of a poke, got him right in the heart. No, it was like craziness. So yeah, I think that's why they trembled. Like, oh, 85-year-old guy with a sword that can still kill people. Do you come in peace? (laughs) So yeah, that's why they're trembling, I think. Going on. Samuel replied, yes, in peace, chill out, stop doing that. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the, to the sacrifice. Samuel's reply, yes, in peace. Just see, he seems exasperated. I think that's funny. And, and, and this is also a side commentary, but do you think Samuel feels lonely in his position? I mean, everybody is, I mean, people tremble when he comes in the room. He's like, oh, stop doing that. I mean, if, I mean... It sounds cool to us, like, to be a badass. Like, wow, everybody's afraid of me everywhere I go. That's awesome. But, I mean, eventually you kind of want to just hang out. <laughs> shh, 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 just chill out. Badasses are people, too. Just calm down. When they arrived, after, you know, everybody got cleaned up for the, for the, for the sacrifice... There's all these washings, and it was a big deal that Jesse and his sons came to this thing. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. Rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had impasse in front of Samuel. Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then said, or Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven, son, seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So we asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives. So we sent for him and had and brought in. He was glowing with health, health, and had a fine appearance and handsome features. This is another commentary thing that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, there's there's one word in the Hebrew that's that's goofy. Uh, some some translations call it ruddy. I don't know what ruddy means. So I looked it up a little bit. Commentaries. There's one commentary that said, "Oh, that means he had dark skin and dark hair." I was like, "Oh, okay, right on." And then I read another commentary. Well, it means he had pale skin and red hair. I was like, well, what? <laughs> you guys, 
Oh, man, the commentators have all sorts of fights going, evidently. So, like, dark, whatever. Regardless, he was hot. Either, you know, whether he looked like the tan guy or ginger, he was hot. So, settle on that. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Okay, there's three times. Three times in this passage that Samuel acts and does stuff, makes decisions with his eyeballs. And it gets him in trouble. Not what God is after. What I want to talk to you guys, the outline that you guys get tonight, is the faith outline. We live by faith, brothers and sisters. If you say Jesus is Lord, if you say Jesus is the way to God and the way I'm going to do life, then you live by faith. And not with your eyeballs. That is what I want to get at tonight. At this point, i got to pray. I forgot to pray so far, and I need God help me, helping me out. So, guys, if you want to pray with me, that would be great. Uh, God, thank you for this. Thank you that I get to share this with my brothers and sisters, my friends, my family. It's a privilege. It's not something, I don't know. If I were you, I wouldn't let me do this. But I'm happy to do it. I love doing it. But, I mean, you know better than I do that I need your help. You've got to show up. You've got to help me out with this. Make these words your words. Write them on our heart and just erase any nonsense that I blurt out. Um, I pray that we would live smarter, wiser, better after this. Me too. (sighs) Got to... I pray that you're glorified in this, that you're pleased. Um, And if you see to to that stuff, then, yeah, let it be a good time, too. Uh, We love you a lot. Amen. Okay, so Saul or Samuel, stop stop using your eyes. First thing, go go to verse 1. Yeah, (laughs) God saying to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Samuel's like, oh, gosh, that was four decades, four decades of a (laughs) screw-up. Saul failed, we're screwed, I'm sad. God's like, okay, yeah, I didn't like that either, but I'm moving on. Move on with me, all right? (laughs) Get up, let's go. (laughs) Do we not have this issue, too? I have this issue, I mean... I hate watching the news. Sometimes that's all that's on is the news. You watch the news, and you use your eyeballs, and you're like, oh, we're so screwed. <laughs> Jesus, come back soon. <laughs> it's messed up out there. And it, it, it can be so depressing, like whether it's individual things, you know, some dad did something bad. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the details. Or... Putin losing his mind. There's messed up stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what to do about this. 
I don't feel like getting off the couch after it. The guy's like, okay, stop, stop looking at that. Look at me. <laughs> Even if you just help one person today, that's good. Just keep your eyes on me. Stop looking at that. Look at me. So yeah, what do you tell Samuel? Get up. Get up, man. Fill your horn with oil. We're on a mission. So it doesn't take <laughs> doesn't take Samuel too long to find another reason to whine. <laughs> Saul's gonna kill me though. <laughs> it's like no 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 no. God's like oh geez dude, it's hard to get you out the door. So often. Again, we see things with our eyes, and that just causes us to worry. We just freak out. Again, we get paralyzed by the stuff that we bring in with our ears and our eyeballs. Ironically, we will say, well, I totally have faith in God. But then very soon after, maybe even in the same breath, we'll say something like, I totally... I would totally go on the Scotland on Scum Scotland missions trip, but God just has to do this for me first. God just has to take out my worries. God just has to take the faith out of it. <laughs> faith doesn't use your eyes. Okay? That is the theme. Faith doesn't use your eyes. Let's go. Uh, Hebrews 11. Sweet. So pithy. Thank you, Hebrews author. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. An assurance about what we do not see. Faith is definitively not seeing something and living in light of that anyway. that awkward yes yes it is awkward god wants that though god wants faith out of us he wants us to not see stuff but do it anyway he wants us to trust him and that's what <laughs> that's what god does to samuel here is like okay i want you to trust me but here's a plan here's here, here's something that'll chill you out for a second. Interestingly enough, God, Samuel, all up to this point, has had everything spelled out to him. God, God whispers in his ear pretty much 24/7. I mean, it's, it's, it's like he's got the little, you know, Secret Service earpiece in and does whatever God says because God says everything. Ironically, that doesn't seem very faithful, right? God tells him what to do, and he does it, and it happens exactly like God said. That, does, that, that sounds easy, right? God doesn't do that for everybody. He doesn't do it for me. But he keeps going. God keeps him going. And then we get to the third point where Samuel uses his eyeballs. He sees Eliab. <laughs> Eliab's tough and handsome. Must be a king. 
tough and handsome, must be a king. Israel's only had one king so far, and he was tough and handsome. And so, yeah, the last king was tough and handsome. The only king was tough and tough and handsome. Hundred percent of the kings of Israel at this point were tough and handsome. <laughs> and so Samuel's like, God wants a tough and handsome guy. Eliab, winner, right? God's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> now, this this is interesting. This is the first time in Samuel's life that God hasn't really given him the full briefing about what's happening. Every other time he spelled it out for Samuel, he's like, okay, I'll do it, and it happens. This time he doesn't give Samuel everything. Like, go in there, pick one of the sons, we'll make him king. Samuel, to his credit, leans into it. He's like, I don't know exactly which one you said. Tough and handsome? (laughs) God's like, "Ah." it's a worthy stab. (laughs) But no. With the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right? Poor Samuel. But he tries anyway. He does try. But now we get to the Ben Kenobi quote. <laughs> your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Reach out with your faith. Tweaked to yeah, yeah, right, you know. Midichlorians, Schmidichlorians. God. Midichlorians. Why the crap did he come up with Midichlorians? Midichlorians suck. Anyways. It's just the force. I should have left it at that, George. Anyways. <laughs> God cares about the heart. He's like, yeah, he is hot. That's great. Saul was hot. That's great. It's not what I care about. I care about the heart. At Scum, honestly, I think we're pretty good at this. Not ju- the whole not judging a book by its cover. You know, I think we're pretty willing to have a conversation with pretty much anybody. I think we get, sometimes, you know, can just check, check the box after we do that, though. I think sometimes we get tripped up by reading the inner sleeve of the book. You know, if you get a hardcover, you got the, the papery sleeve on the outside, and on the, the inner sleeve, it's got maybe an excerpt, something about the author, and we read that, and like, no, this book doesn't got anything for me. <laughs> I was on the Times bestseller list. Uh, everybody read it. <laughs> Lemmings. Right? Don't we get? We can get a little arrogant. And I'll tell you. Well, this I've done this. I have totally done this, and this is how I do it. Like maybe I'll I'll meet somebody that makes like say four times as much money as me, has a really professional job. I'm like, oh, yes, you're a worthy person. God probably won't use you to talk to me though. I'm guessing I'm not the only guy who's done that. Like, oh, you're homeless. You're so valid, but God probably won't use you to teach me anything. So so quickly, yeah, I think I think we'll say, yeah, yeah, I totally talked to 
to weirdos, and I totally talk to, you know, business people. But I won't let them talk to me. Man, do not put that bottle cap on God. He's probably got way more for you than the limits you put on people. And me. I should say we. All right? Now, what the, the beautiful thing that's going on here is the discipleship of Samuel. God is bringing Samuel somewhere. He may have not started out in, in, in huge, faithful, risk-taking steps, but he's, he's bringing Samuel. He's like, oh, okay, lean a little bit more, lean a little bit more. And he's getting there. Samuel's leaning into it. He's getting some courage. Let's look at, let's look at 2 Corinthians. This, this is a big deal, big deal. Therefore, being always of good courage... And knowing that while we were at home in the body, we were absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say. And prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Guys, Christians. I'm talking to Christians here. And even if you're not a Christian, the whole Christian thing takes some courage. It takes some risk. God is about... Risk. There's multiple times that God wants us to lean, lean into stuff that we are not totally comfortable in. Right here, it just says courage. This is going to take some cojones. Pardon the expression, but you're not going to be comfortable in this. You're going to be scared. And you're going to have to do something even though you're scared. It's weird. It's God's... Kind of saying, yeah, through Paul, he's kind of like giving us a little bit of a bone. This is awkward. I admit it. You're supposed to be living by faith. You're supposed to be doing stuff that you can't see, that you don't understand. And so, be of good courage. Trust me. Further slack that I'm going to cut us. Um, it's a matter of the heart. You don't have to completely jump off the cliff to be faithful. This at least starts in the heart, inside. That God is inviting you to jump off a cliff, a thousand-foot cliff, let's say. (laughs) You can talk to God about it. I mean, <laughs> so you say to Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus, that's it's really, really high. And Jesus says back, yes, it is very high. <laughs> and you say to Jesus, I can't flap my arms fast enough to really fly. And he's like, oh, man. Jesus says, not even close. <laughs> and then we say, ah, uh, I think it'll hurt when you hit the bottom. And Jesus says, yeah, you don't even know the half of it. It'll, it'll be excruciating. <laughs> like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm not comforted here. I'm afraid of this. I don't know what's going to happen, and you want me to do this. 
And Jesus says, oh, good. I'm glad you're afraid. If you weren't afraid, there'd be something wrong with you. But then, at that point, he takes our face in his hands and he says, do you trust me, though? I'm good, right? Do you think I'm good? We look at the cliff. <laughs> we look at Jesus. He's got that smile on his face. Like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, you're good. You've been good before. Been good a lot. In fact, you've never been bad. Jeez, a thousand feet. It's like, how about we hold hands? Like, okay, okay, okay. You talk to him. You don't have to jump off the cliff. And then he'll do something good. Lean into it. Talk to him. Intend to follow him. Even if you don't actually follow him yet. God was like, God, I want to do this. But I don't want to do this. <laughs> Jesus, okay, I'm glad you want to. Because this is going to be cool. There's so many ways... That this is a, that this works out, and it gets and yeah, it's weird. I'll tell you one 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 time. Uh, it was before my my wife and I had, had moved down here to Denver, and we were taking students. We were doing student ministry and bringing them down the summers. And um, our buddy Wormy, we really wanted Wormy to come, uh, but he wasn't a student, so we made him we made him uh, volunteer staff just to cover up some stuff. <laughs> uh, dude, we think you should come. Uh, and he's like, yeah, that sounds really great, but I just got this job. And, and he did. He's, he's a professional bit twiddler. He's a programmer. And, um, and he just got this job, and he was getting paid pretty good. And he's like, I just got this job. I, don't, I can't do that. And we were like, ah, oh, lame. But, yeah, okay, job. And so we moved on. We got... Kind of, you know, we were inviting some students and got a team together, and we had our first meeting. <laughs> Wormy shows up to the first meeting. I was like, what? Uh, didn't you say no? He's like, well, I tell people I have faith in Jesus. And so if I have faith in Jesus, I trust him, even though I don't know how it's going to work out, right? I was like, uh, well, yeah, 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 right, totally. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> He's like, well, then here I am. It'll get worked out. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, totally. He, I mean, he floored me with his faith. I was like, oh, that's totally how it's supposed to work. How rational of you. <laughs> Even though faith isn't completely rational. But it, it actually worked out. He's like, okay, I feel God wants me to do this, and I want to do this. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to commit. And after that first meeting, you know, he started asking, working out stuff, and his job, like, Helped him fundraise. It's like, yeah, you could totally have a couple months off. Like, oh, oh, sweet. And it worked out. It doesn't, it doesn't always work out. It worked out for Wormy. I mean, he, he was very faithful about it. I could, it was flooring to me. I've always used that as, as an example in my, in my life. Wormy, wormy statement. Well, I say I have faith, and that means I trust him. So I'm going to trust him. It sounds so basic. But his, his brain totally turned a corner, and he's like, that's what you do. Now, in a, for, in 
Well, I'm going to reference a couple of former sermons, one of mine, that I, but I guess I shouldn't do that because I was referencing Mike before me. <laughs> so one, in one of Mike's former sermons, God, God isn't always the 1159 God. Have you guys heard that? Like, oh, yeah. God totally comes in at the last minute sometimes, keeps us sweating. <laughs> sometimes he's the 1 a.m. God. <laughs> like, uh, you're late. He's like, yep, I know. <laughs> but I'm here, right? It's like, yeah. I'm good. I got a plan. Okay. God doesn't always make it out perfect as far as we understand it. So that's a little disclaimer. Another disclaimer was Craig's from a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago. Remember Jonathan? Some of you should remember the, the Jonathan sermon that, that Craig gave. Jonathan was totally faithful. He's like, God will totally take care of me. Jonathan sounds pretty cool. Jonathan was Saul's son, the prince, so to speak. <laughs> he, was, he was looking for cliffs to jump off. He's like, oh, there's a bunch of Philistines over there. Hey, let's go get them. <laughs> well, <laughs> his armor bearer is like, okay, I'll follow you. But it was just Jonathan against like, I don't know, what was it, like a dozen? No, 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 it was more than that. Yeah, like 20 of them, yeah. And Jonathan's like, yeah, totally. Let's do this. God will totally take it. Take care of it. The disclaimer in this is that Jonathan did give God an out. He's like, okay, I think God's going to do this. But let's say if the Philistines say, come up here, then it's cool. And God's got us. And if they say, no, just go away, then we'll go away. And we'll say that God's not into this. Here's a warning with this whole faith thing. There are some of us who are just looking for cliffs to jump off of. Thrill seekers, <laughs> I guess. Adrenaline junkies. Yeah, let's go find cliffs and jump off of them. Well, sure. Yeah, cool. <laughs> there is kind of a path we're trying to go down and say recklessness <laughs> is one of the ditches on that. One of the ditches on the side of the road. And then... The other thing I'm talking about, the other ditch tonight, is, is the complacency. No, don't go out your front door. Wait for everything to get spelled out. We're trying to walk down in between, in between those ditches. And it's the courageous path in between recklessness and complacency. Now, the good news is I think, I think there's a good amount of space in between those ditches, which is cool. Normally, you know, and a lot of balances that are presented in the Bible say, you know, you're supposed to be selfless and generous with the stuff you got. But you're also supposed to be a good steward of the things you got. Normally, we, we learn, lean to one of those edges. And normally, you can tell which place you're supposed to be leaning towards by the, your your quickest excuse what is your quickest excuse in that oh, I, well, somebody tells me to be generous it's like well I'm supposed to be a good steward I don't know this guy's probably gonna you know misuse this money like well <laughs> it sounds like you probably need to lean towards the generous side and people who give away all their stuff and never take care of the things they have 
like, oh, well, maybe you need to think about what you're doing instead of, you know, thoughtlessly doing everything. Here, you probably can think about your quickest excuse with the faith thing. If God says something challenging to you, or if a brother or a sister that you trust that says, you should probably think about doing this, and it sounds sketchy, it sounds scary, what's your first excuse? What is it, what is it like, yeah, totally, let's do it! <laughs> if you're a little bit, if you don't even think about the consequences for a second, uh, maybe think about, you know, the consequences for a second. <laughs> And also if you're like, well, I'm not going to do that until God provides this. Sounds like you need to lean the other direction. You need to talk to Jesus and say, I want to do that. Help me faith a little bit. Help me lean towards that. You want to do it. You want to follow Jesus. I don't know how much I need to convince you of that, guys. But just so it's said, you want to say yes. God invites us into cool stuff. God invited me here at Denver <laughs> without a job. God was pretty clear. He's like, yeah, Denver's the place I want you to take your family. It's awesome. I love it here. I love you guys. You guys are so sweet. I love being part of this family. But this is over a cliff for me. It's good. It's, and it was daunting. It was, oh man, my, my wife's faith should be commended more than mine. She's like, uh... Really? <laughs> I don't know. Did you, did you really heard from God? I was like, yeah, I really did. And she believed me. Thanks. But Deborah's pretty sweet, right? <laughs> she nodded. <laughs> Sometimes it feels so scary. I know some of you guys are thinking about what I'm saying tonight is like, I totally know the cliff he's talking about. <laughs> it's, it's not just like, don't just check out. Don't just ignore Jesus. You know, he says, okay, jump off the cliff. And you and the conversation's done. It's not like he's like, just, you know, got a clipboard and says, okay, Jesse's up next. Jump off the cliff. Here's a, you know, rummage sale, rummage sale uh, football helmet and a pillow strapped to your butt. Hope you make it. No, 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 no. We talk. We talk. We're like, God, I don't know about this. <laughs> this helmet, I think, will hurt more. <sighs> Trust Jesus. Wherever you're at, lean. Lean at him. You don't have to totally jump off the cliff. You can just say, God, I want to jump off the cliff. 
Even if you're not totally convinced, just say it out loud. Okay. God, let's jump off the cliff. <laughs> Convince me. Because he's holding your, your face. He's holding your heart. He's saying, okay, you got to be courageous. But yeah, I'll hold your hand. It's going to be sweet. Do you think I'm good? Do you think I'm good? We say, yeah, okay. You're good. Let's jump. That's what I got, guys. Love you. Thanks for listening.